Hello and welcome to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia China Business Council. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please drop by to the podcast homepage at www.acbc.com.au/podcasts to sign up on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Youku, and please drop us a review at the iTunes Store if you have a chance. On this episode, we discuss operating a charity in China with the CEO of the wonderful charity One Sky Australia, Dian Bevan. Formerly known as Half the Sky, One Sky teaches communities and caregivers to provide nurturing, responsive care and early education to China's most vulnerable children. We discuss how One Sky got started, its activities in China, and how it managed to register as a charity. We also look at working in collaboration with the Chinese state and the evolving field of philanthropy, where local communities are increasingly supportive of NGOs such as One Sky. Before joining One Sky, Dian had a long corporate career with McDonald's, including as senior vice president, human resources, training and development. Development in the Australian company and international roles in Asia. Dian holds a Bachelor of Business and a Master of Arts. She lives in Melbourne with her husband Guy and son Jack. I hope you enjoy our discussion. I'm here with Diane Bevan, the Chief Executive Officer on a volunteer basis with One Sky Australia. Thanks for stopping by to the podcast, Diane. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me on your program. The ACBC does some really important work between Australia and China, so we're really glad to be associated. Oh, fantastic! Um, so I, I guess we could start by um, getting you to describe what uh, the One Sky network is um, and what its mission is and its main activities in China. One Sky began its life as Half the Sky Foundation in China. It was a U.S. charity founded about 20 years ago, and it was named after the Chinese adage "Women hold up half the sky" for all the abandoned baby girls who filled China's orphanages at that time. And those children at that time、uh, in the orphanages had、uh, enough food; they they had beds, they had warm clothing,、mm. um, but that was all. They they were living in institutional care without the benefit of love and nurture and developmental care that's so vital to children in their early years of life. That's what Half the Sky's mission came to be about: providing those children with what they needed to thrive as human beings. So love, nurture, early education, stimulation, a caring adult in each child's life, so that. Those children would grow up knowing that they mattered, that their life was important,、mm. that they all deserved love and deserved to have a bright future. So, in the early days, half the sky mainly provided nannies for the babies, preschool teachers for toddlers, and then as the work went on over the years, we developed、uh, programs for school-aged youth and also for children with disabilities who. Were unlikely ever to be adopted because of their disabilities. They、okay. really faced their entire childhood in institutional care.、Yep. So for those children, foster care arrangements、uh, were the the most important for their well-being. Okay. So half the sky's programs really evolved in response to the needs in the orphanages in those in those days. There are still vast numbers of people who live in poverty. Yeah, there's still vast numbers of children who are in orphanages, and and these children left behind in the villages is a whole other component of the the population, and certainly over time, 
we have seen things shift. Mm. And as needs change, the response from the uh, charity sector needs to change as well, which is why half the Sky's work ha- has expanded from the orphanages into the villages. Right. There's a whole other area where children are in great need, which is in some cases the parents bring children with them into the cities from the villages. But then there's the question of what happens to the children when these parents go and labour in the factories? Yeah. What happens to the children? Is there adequate care for them? Um, is there adequate early education? Or can they even get into the local schools? Yeah. So there's, there's great shifts going on in China, which means that for all those individual families affected, they're not a lot better off. Yeah. They may be eventually, but they're not now. Yeah. So how did One Sky get started originally? Half the Sky was started by adoptive parents from America, um, as unlikely as that seems. Okay. There was a couple from the USA, Jenny and Richard Bowen, who had heard of the plight of the abandonment of baby girls in China and China had opened its doors to international adoption. Okay. So Jenny and Richard Bowen had gone to China and adopted a baby girl from one of the orphanages. And when Maya came home to the family, she was suffering the effects of institutionalisation, which are quite well known these days. Children um, are developmentally delayed, emotionally shut down because they haven't had the benefits of nurturing care and love, you know, that sort of one-on-one love that parents naturally give children, Mm. cuddles and kisses and um, just day-to-day interaction, talking to children. Children growing up in institutional care have none of that. Mm. They have food, shelter, uh, warm clothes, enough food, but they don't have love. So what the Bowens discovered was after a year of Maya living inside the, the, the heart of a family, she began to blossom. So those effects of institutionalisation could effectively be ameliorated by family love and care and interaction and education and development and stimulation. So Jenny and Richard banded together with other adoptive parents and experts in child development and came up with some intervention programs that they thought might work for the children still waiting in the orphanages back in China. And so they started knocking on doors back in China. They went back to Beijing and after two years of uh, petitioning, requesting permission from the government to try these programs in China to see if they might work. Well, after two years, they were granted permission to do a uh, pilot project. And so was that something that was originally welcomed by the Chinese government? Did they want a foreigner to come in and help manage this this charity or was that something that they initially tended to want control of themselves? I think pretty naturally they weren't that interested in <laughs> a bunch of Americans coming over to tell them what to do in, in the orphanages and, and of course um, that would be a natural reaction. But these adoptive parents were coming from a very unique place. They had adopted children from China to provide love to these children and a home. And they were concerned about the brothers and sisters of these children who were left behind in China. Mm. So 
So they had no other motive than to provide love and opportunity to all the children. And they were really interested in working together with the Chinese to try to come up with a solution that might work in China's orphanages and not necessarily impose a program from overseas, but Mm. they came with ideas, Mm. they came with um, a lot of motivation, they came with some money, and they said, would you let us work with you and try to try to help. And eventually, um, the government said yes. And so was that pilot program a, a, a joint venture with a, with a Chinese NGO? Yes. There were government partners. They were government, non-government partners, okay. as well as government partners. There has to be partnerships at every level in China. Well, there And there, there always has been in Huffer Sky's work, and there still is. Yeah. So at the national level, at the provincial level and the local level because the, the orphanages, the welfare institutions are state-run welfare institutions. Right. The children are wards of the state. Okay. So necessarily, uh, Half the Sky has always worked with government at every level in China, cooperatively. And in fact, that's turned out to be really the reason for success in the programs because the programs really were developed between the Chinese and, in the early days, the US parents working together for the benefit of the children. Mm, Right. Yeah, it was a true collaborative approach. Absolutely. And the pilot project proved the, the theory, which was that if children were provided with loving care and nurture and early education, then they would respond in the normal ways that children do. They would learn to Uh, learn, laugh, grow normally, uh, grow with curiosity and be able to love and and show love and receive love. It was the Chinese and the Americans working together who watched this happen Mm. and who agreed it was working and then who agreed that the work should be expanded. Eventually, we're now working in 29 of 31 provinces of China. Right. But it started with two pilot projects with everyone watching to see what would happen and then the work proved itself in the response of the children to, to the programs that were provided. Mm. That's also a very Chinese approach to, to do a pilot program. I know regards to the opening up of uh, the Chinese economy in the late 80s and um, emissions trading, China often does start with a pilot program, which is an intention to expand to become a more greater network. Um, it's interesting that that also applies to charity and NGOs. Really, isn't that a sensible way of doing things? Give it a go, see if it works. Sure. <laughs> and if it does, great, let's do this. I think I think there's a Chinese idiom to uh, cross the river by feeling for the stones that's applied to using pilot programs. So it is surely quite logical. Now, how's One Sky Run these days within China? So is it still through that partnership with the uh, Chinese entity? Well, in fact, the partnership has really grown in exciting ways in China. The US Half the Sky Foundation originally operated with a Beijing representative office um, since 2000. But by 2012, Half the Sky had helped establish a local Chinese charity, a sister organisation, if you like, which uh, is called Chanhui Children's Foundation. And that is a Chinese charity operating in China, registered in China under the new charity laws that have been established both to regulate 
domestic charities in China as well as foreign charities in China. Yep. But the exciting thing about the establishment of Chunhui, while well, Half the Sky initially helped establish it and create one of the very first domestic NGOs working in China uh, in this area, that charity has grown so substantially that it's now fundraising inside China, raising more than half the money to run the Half the Sky projects in China itself now. So that partnership, which was at government level in the first instance, has now extended to a partnership in the non-profit sector and a partnership really with the Chinese community. Mm. So the fundraising going on amongst the Chinese community um, is now more than matching the fundraising that's going on in the international community to fund the work for orphaned children in China. And and does government still play a role these days? Yes, we still have government partners that approve work in China at the national level and provincial and local level. Okay. So it's still a very important part of the way we operate in China. I also understand that the One Sky founder, Jenny Bowen, was the torchbearer at the Beijing Olympics. She was. That must be a strong testament to the strong relationship that she had personally with the Chinese officials. Yes, absolutely. Jenny's had a, a unique history in China and, and I think it really does go back to that very genuine human connection with China, adopting First one child, Maya, and a couple of years later, a second child, Anya Bowen. Mm. So Jenny was always coming from a place of doing what was best for the children. That's what's always resonated in the work of Half the Sky, in Jenny's work with Chinese partners and everyone who's become involved in the work. If you put the needs of those children first then everyone comes in behind that and works together to to meet the children's needs. Mm. And it's just coming from a very genuine human place. Yeah. So, Dianne, you also mentioned the the new charity laws in China. Mm. Have have, have these made it more easy and more streamlined to operate as a charity within China? I guess that depends on who you ask. Okay. For Half the Sky, it had already been registered as a foreign entity, a foreign NGO in China since um, 2008. Okay. And before that, it had already operated with other permissions in partnership with government. It was a foreign registered charity since 2008, one of only a handful. So when the new laws came into effect in 2017, I think it was relatively easy for charities that were already registered in China to transfer their registration right. under the new regulations. Okay. Although there are some changes to how that works. But I suppose if you were a charity not operating with any history in China, it might be more difficult uh, to establish your registration. Okay. But essentially, the principles of becoming a registered charity in China are that not that dissimilar to becoming a charity in Australia, for example. Right. I mean, in Australia, uh, you need to comply with a whole range of laws and regulations to be a registered charity uh, with tax deductibility status and being able to raise money from the public and reporting on your finances, reporting on your governance structure and reporting any changes to your governance structure. So the principles underlining registration of charities, uh, I don't think, 
are that vastly different uh, between Australia and China. Mm. So if you're familiar with how the laws work in Australia, you wouldn't find too many surprises in how the laws are intended to work in oh, China. Right. Okay. So, Dion, you mentioned Chinese attitudes towards charities have changed as the Chinese community now contributes a lot of funds to OneSky. What would you say the main reason behind that is? Well, I don't know entirely about attitudes, but I do know that once Half the Sky helped establish its Chinese sister charity, Chunhui yeah. Foundation, for children, that once it was established and up and running, that there was a great response from the Chinese community. Mm. So possibly the same opportunity hasn't been there in the past uh, for the Chinese to contribute to a philanthropic sector. It hasn't really existed as such in the past in China. So the creation of these new entities, domestic charities in China, um, perhaps the first step in, in building a philanthropic sector, in building a community sector uh, that the public can participate in. Yeah. The other big development is really technology, I think. Okay. Because a substantial amount of funding is coming through crowdfunding in China. Oh, really? Yes. So through platforms like Alibaba's Taobao, where both merchants and customers can make donations as part of their online transactions in the online marketplace. And also Tencent that runs a big annual charity fundraising day and through apps like uh, WeChat, people can make uh, donations. Lots of small donations add up to very large contributions to charities in China through technology and through getting the word out um, in these extremely well-taken-up technologies. There's millions of users on these technologies. Mm. So even if a very small percentage of people who are using them make a donation to charity, it still adds up to a lot of money. Yeah. I just think it's really positive and fabulous how the philanthropic sector is evolving in China. It's exciting to see that working in the non-profit space, Mm. before 2008, it was a much more grey area. We weren't a registered foreign charity, but we were working in China with permissions, but there was no official sector as such. And then there was registration for us in 2008. But now these new laws, and, and they may be onerous and they may impose rigour on um, a sector, but I think that's a good thing for trust in the sector, for transparency, um, so that people can have confidence that if they do give their money to yeah. a charity in sure. China, it will be used for the purpose that it's intended. And that's no different to the type of regulatory framework we have in Australia. Mm. There's really reason to be hopeful in China that that this sector will really become as robust as the commercial sector has become in China. Do Australian donors tend to play a role on the ground in China? The way it operates is that our Chinese sister organisation, along with the uh, US foundation that still has its Beijing representative office, carry out our activities or carry out the Half the Sky activities in China on the ground. And really importantly, all the staff in China are Chinese. Now, the training and some of the programs have been uh, developed um, internationally. Okay. With Chinese input, of course, so as part of this collaboration. But the staff who carry out the work are from China, they're locals in China, they've got 
Chinese training as well as international training. So all of the work that's done for the children is done by local Chinese. Mm. In fact, we have been so excited by this eagerness uh, on the part of child welfare workers to learn skills in the area of childcare in our case. We've got an online learning and training community now called EHRN and it's got over 5,000 users amongst a lot of these workers who were working in orphanages were completely unskilled. Okay. So m- local women from the local communities who have been recruited to come in and work as childcare workers but who are now online and taking online courses to learn childcare working skills, which are particular in the case of children who are in institutions because they're children who've been abandoned and they usually have special needs of one sort or another. And so the skills of working with those children who have also been traumatised are quite highly evolved. So there's a whole community of childcare workers being developed, which is fabulous for those women as well as fabulous for the children that they're working with. It's sort of evolving a whole professional community, Mm, developing a skilled workforce as well as benefits for the children who who are cared for by these women. And that was one of the unforeseen benefits of this work in China was the the evolution of this community of of care workers. Um, And do you get a chance to go to China and... We Visit do. the Chonghui facilities? Yes, we do, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we do, obviously, from Australia, in terms of our donors and supporters, it's really important that we go and see the work that's happening on the ground um, regularly uh, so that we're confident uh, about the work that we're supporting from Australia, confident that it's happening in terms of our agreements uh, for what our funding might be used for, and confident that the children are receiving a benefit yep. at the end of the day. That's really what it's all about. But the funding that's raised in Australia is provided to projects that our Australian board agree to support in China. Okay. And then as part of the project monitoring process, if you like, we definitely go and take a look at the work on a regular basis. And we do take with us from time to time volunteers donors and supporters from Australia who'd like to see the work in action. I think it's important if you are supporting an organisation that there's transparency in how how the work is being carried out and how the funds are being used yeah. and that the beneficiaries who are intended to benefit from the work are actually benefiting from the work. One of the main sources of funding for OneSky is its annual gala that yes. you've recently just had in, in Melbourne. Yes. Um, what were some of the highlights of, of, of this year's gala? Well, our galas are always really fun mm. <laughs> for a start. They're really fun. Um, we're over 500 people. We've been running galas about four years, well, for four years in Australia, and we've been incredibly well supported by Corporate Australia. Mm. That's been a real source of pride for our work in Australia and I think a a demonstration about the generosity of the Australian business community, particularly the business community doing business with China. There's a recognition that companies are interested and um, and have a role to play in giving back to the communities in which they work, both in Australia and overseas, and have an interest in developing relationships which are not 
purely business relationships but that have multiple strings to the bow. Mm. And giving back in terms of community development is really an important thing. And we've really found that our work with China resonates with a lot of Australian businesses who are working between Australia and China. They Mm. get that. And we also have Chinese businesses who, who are based in Australia or have operations in Australia or from China supporting our Gala as well, like Ifeng, media giant um, in China, was a major supporter of this year's gala, as well as tech giants Alibaba. And also increasingly we've got Chinese Australians who are becoming involved through their private families and family foundations. Okay. And it's really gratifying to see in our gala room, both Chinese and Australian in the room, businesses and individuals and families all mixing together uh, with a common interest in the welfare of children in need. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. So, Dion, what are you looking forward to um, for the next year with One Sky? Next year? Well, we always want to do more. Okay. <laughs> we always want to do more and better. Uh, our fundraising at this year's gala was over $800,000 oh, for the whole event. Congratulations. Which, yeah, thank you. We are very excited about that. Plus, it's a lucky number, as yeah. you know. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're always looking to expand our network of supporters, expand the support in Australia amongst the Australian community and the Chinese community in Australia, because with more support, more funding, we can reach more children mm. with our programs. Yeah. What's next really is more of the same, if you like. Whilst we are excited, tremendously excited about the growth of fundraising and support for our work inside China by the Chinese, there's still a role for foreign aid and, and foreign assistance because there are still children who are waiting in those orphanages. Yeah. And increasingly, our work has moved out of the orphanages in China into some of the poorest rural villages in China who are impacted by the this migration of workers from uh, rural villages into the cities looking for employment and there's a situation where children are left behind sometimes called economic orphans Mm. the children in the villages are left behind with older relatives who are not necessarily in a position to provide them with the sort of nurture and stimulation that little kids need to really learn and thrive and grow. So Half the Sky has begun going into some of the villages um, that are most struck by poverty and this phenomenon of this mass migration into the cities and establishing its early learning centres and community centres, trying to help reinvigorate these communities and provide a place where infants and and toddlers and and preschoolers can get that early education and development that's really important to their growth and development into those communities. So our work continues to grow from outside China as well as inside China. So what's ahead is more work. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, thanks for dropping by the to the podcast, Dian. Uh, it, it sounds like you're making a tremendous impact in China, the really worthy cause, and, and also such a collaborative approach between the international community and China. So all the best for the future for OneSky. Thank you, James. My thanks to Dian for sharing OneSky's China story. 
Diana's also particularly keen to reach out to the local Chinese community in Australia to see how they can get involved with OneSky. So for more information on how to get in touch with OneSky, please check out this episode's show notes at www.acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts, where you can also check out past episodes of the podcast and subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or Youku. Please do pass on the podcast to a friend, colleague or client who has an interest in China and may benefit from one of our episodes. We'd also like to thank the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trades Australia China Council for their kind support of the podcast. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening and until next time, Zai Jian.